okay now you should have sound for me i apologize for that everybody um we're gonna start this back over again so welcome to this episode of Urcoin talk uh this is q1 2020 uh, i know you guys heard uh your jet there for a second but uh he is joining us today from the netherlands we're going to be going over the q1 update um so thank you guys uh for letting us know that you couldn't hear me uh apologize for that one more time it's it's always something um so uh we're gonna go over basically what we did for the last three months uh and we're gonna talk about uh in depth a little bit from the development side on kind of the one click miner because the the developer for the new one click miner is here with us today uh and then we're also going to talk about some of the updates that we have here with vert hash as well so um you know we've been working on vert hash now for just over a year uh we've thought we had it finalized and then we went through some q uh qa testing and stuff of that nature and realized that there were some things we needed to tweak so we'll touch on that here real quick so first thing i want to dive into is we did do an update to the website so the website now when you go to the mining setup uh you will see the one click miner is our preferred way to have people mine nowadays because uh it does integrate in with closed and open source miners and it's really truly one click you don't even have to have a wallet uh on your machine in order to start mining uh, so it's about as easy as it can get and then of course if you're an advanced miner you can always go uh, through the other mining applications and then also download the 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 core wallet to mine directly to that um so uh you know we updated the website in order to give graphics on kind of how to actually start mining in a step-by-step -step process uh, then of course if anybody has any questions they can jump right over into the discord and ask those questions um so we made that update on the website also one other thing you'll notice on the website and i'll talk about it a little bit more here when we get into the marketing section is we did remove the donation page um so like i said i'll touch on that a little bit later um but i uh, just wanted to showcase that here um so uh Let's see. We also have a new update to the core wallet. So, uh, your Jeff, would you like to talk about kind of what we did with that wallet, and then you can flow right into Vert Hash and kind of what we're doing with that update? Yeah, sure. So, um, as we do regularly, we um, uh, use the uh, the updates that are applied to Bitcoin Core, which is obviously our our upstream repository. So. Um, improvements that are being made to Bitcoin Core find their way into Vertcoin's wallet. Um, aside from the, you know, the special things that Vertcoin has in terms of its different proof of work algorithm and stuff like that, but there's obviously a lot, a lot of work being done on Bitcoin Core, and um, we regularly update that and pull the changes into Vertcoin. Um, obviously, you need to uh there's some work required to do that like not especially when things touch similar areas where we've customized some of the things like um difficulty adjustment uh proof of work obviously but generally those don't update that much in um in upstream bitcoin obviously because they don't change their proof of work or their difficulty adjustment at all i think uh but sometimes they do optimizations or they uh remove uh, depend like one of the things bitcoin focuses on is trying to remove dependencies mm -hmm. um because like every dependency is obviously also security risk because it's something being maintained by somebody else and if they change it then you know you can have side effects in um uh in bitcoin itself so therefore they prefer not having uh any dependencies but obviously that's not always possible but they sometimes remove dependencies and then if we still have 
if like parts of the code that are special to Vertcoin use that same dependency, then obviously we have to um, change that around as well to make sure that that continues to work, even though those dependencies are now gone from upstream Bitcoin. We don't want to keep those dependencies around. If we can also work around it, then it's better for us to just get rid of it as well uh, and have the same benefit of losing a dependency. Um, so most of this work uh, rebasing our uh, Vertcoin wallet to upstream Bitcoin has been done by um, uh, hardware engineering manager. Um, I think it's his nickname in Discord. We added him to the dev team, I think, six or nine months back. Yeah, he. this was uh, the task that kind of he wanted to take on, right? So he came yeah, to us yeah, saying... He, he, yeah, he... he basically got in touch with us and said, okay, you know, what's something that I can do given his background in uh, mostly hardware engineering, but also um, like embedded software. Um, and so obviously he had uh, experience with C and C++, which is what Vertcoin core built in. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, rebasing was a good way to both get familiar with the Vertcoin code base and also provide uh, a very valuable contribution to the project. Um, and as I understood it, he already started working on uh, the next update, which is obviously Bitcoin's 0.19 release, which was released a while back. Yep. Um, and also that like the same process has to happen here. Um, I think in general, this could have been released a little quicker, but obviously like everyone on the team is volunteer. We have, you know, other stuff gets in the way. Um, and I think we should always prefer uh, being thorough over being fast. Exactly. So, you know, if if time doesn't permit to do it right, we shouldn't do it uh, and wait until the time is there to do it in the correct way. Because obviously a single botched update to the Vercoin Core Wallet can have significant effects uh, yeah. to the network, to people's money, to everything. So, yeah, either do it right or postpone. Um, so it's out, it's released now. Uh, the, um, like everybody should, should update. There's mm -hmm. probably a bunch of performance, uh, improvements. There's one improvement that mid didn't make it into this release. Like we, we had some, uh, reports about, uh, older nodes. Apparently there's still people running 0.11 releases. Which yeah. It doesn't, I, I think it doesn't even have, uh, I was doubting if it had SegWit or not, but I think it does, but it doesn't have the uh, uh, Lyra 2 Ref 3, three. Yeah. Uh, upgrade. So they're either still mining Ref 2, uh, so they're eff effectively a sort of third point cache or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, those nodes, when they are active, they're still connecting to the newer 0.14 and 0.15 nodes. And they're continuously requesting blocks because obviously they're behind, they're on a stock chain mm -hmm. and they're trying to look for peers that have new blocks and they just keep keep asking for them. And we've seen reports where they pull like a gigabyte of data per day from other nodes. So obviously that's a waste of their bandwidth, but also from uh, the people providing the block data. Um, so I did work on uh, mitigation for that problem, but um, 
it wasn't in the release candidate. I like I built it afterwards. So it's in the master branch of the Vertcoin repository now. So it will probably be included in the next point sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have the problem and you're ready to test the solution, then you can either um, build it from the repository, uh, build your own binary, including this fix. So if you take uh, the current, uh, the the latest version of the source code that's on GitHub, includes um, a fix to that problem. And you know, the more people that run that fix, the more people are uh, testing. Um, whether it's good or that it has side effects, like it needs to run for a while with a with a with a number of people to make sure that it's actually solving the problem. Yeah, uh, and from what I could see, like on my node, it fixes the problem. Like I don't see any point uh, eleven nodes because uh, as soon as they keep asking for the same headers over and over and over, it's gonna disconnect and ban, mm-hmm. uh, which seems uh, pretty effective. So that's what uh, we're so. doing. We're just basically banning the nodes that are are behind uh, as far as yeah, like. Like what what a node would normally do is like ask for a block of headers and then ask for the next block and the next block and the next block. But here, as soon as you provide them with the with the block headers where the hard fork is in, like mm-hmm. where the uh, Rev3 hard fork is in, they they cannot um, they cannot verify those because they say, oh well, this is not this is not a valid header. But they continuously keep asking for these headers, so. Um, yeah, we're we're keeping track of uh, nodes that ask us for the same headers, and then if they do it like six or seven times in a row, then we just uh, ban them. Yeah, I think this is one of the consequences of being decentralized: is it's up to every individual to be able to update their software as needed. And then you're going to have people that maybe got interested in the project, but then or or in crypto in general, and and but they fell away from it. But the wallets are still running. They may have it on a virtual machine, or they may have it on a server, or something of that nature. Um, and they just don't update it. And unfortunately, that's a unique problem with something that's so decentralized, where we don't have the ability to go out and force update wallets. Um, and things of that nature, we have to figure out a solution. And this sounds like a viable one in order to make sure that you don't use up data that you don't need to. Yeah, like it It seems to me that running point 11s is useless, but I guess, you know, somebody has it running somewhere. Maybe it's still the same exchange that hasn't upgraded. I'm not sure. Like the one that, that tried is true. to ask us for money to do the upgrade, <laughs> and then we said no. Yeah. Maybe they're still running point 11. I don't know. That that, that very well could I be true. I hope not, but yeah, I think, you never know. I don't know if they're still active or not. We haven't heard any more from them once we said that, you know, we're not going to pay you to upgrade your wallet. No, um, no. So, so either so. they delisted us or I don't know. I mean, obviously, I mean, I've had uh, virtual machines that I that I spun up somewhere, uh, paid for a year, ran the software, and then, you know, either lost track of the fact that I was running it or uh, somebody has like a Raspberry Pi somewhere that's doing this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's clear we, we can't force people to shut it off. That They're allowed to run it if they want to. Do you know uh, if... At least we should pre- prevent the rest of the network from having, like, these huge bandwidth drains, which is a waste. And I don't know if this is even possible, but I was just thinking that is there a way that we could have something built into the QT wallet to, by using the network to be able to send a notification Maybe a notif- to, to notify the wallet user that, hey, a new version is out. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's tough because um, like the way a wallet identifies itself is like 
it's easy to fake. Mm-hmm. So, like, what would happen if if I would just fork the code from Vertcoin and start calling myself 0.17, Yeah. With all the notes and say, hey, there's a 0.18 you should upgrade. That's a good point. Yep. So without so, a centralized you know, server that is authenticated that can send out the messaging, uh, this is, you know, it's just another your quirk of being decentralized that you kind of have to work around and it comes back to personal responsibility of these people being able to update their wallets and keeping up with what's happening inside of the project and uh because you know so many times i've had people ask me hey we haven't heard from you guys in a while especially now that we're doing these quarterly updates and quarterly uh broadcasts here um you know and i tell them you know there's plenty of stuff happening in discord it's just a matter of you know all of our team our bandwidth has shrunk over the last year roughly of being able to just do a lot of things outside of you know working on the project as uh, as volunteers and then being able to take a, uh, care of things that are happening in real life, um, you know th- yeah. we don't have a full time team that's paid dedicated in order to do the marketing in order to do the communications and the development and stuff of that nature. So we're just working with the resources that we have. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that's clear. That's been the case for a while. The only thing that's different now versus like a year or two years ago is that uh, obviously market conditions are different and uh, you know if you're um if you're an asset that's making people money they're more willing to contribute or you're more popular or there's more people in the discord like we uh, over the last few years we've seen you know the inflow of people in the in the community is related to uh market valuation yeah uh, yeah, because there's more eyes on assets that have high value. Um, so, yeah. So I think, I don't I don't think it's a big problem. The other thing that I think is uh, important to note is that um, we're obviously sh- still struggling with the whole 51% attack problem, um, which is not likely to go away with Vertash because obviously people can make mining markets for Vertash just as they do for um, for Lyra 2 or Graph 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like if we if we if we don't find a solution to this problem then everything you build on top of the base layer is it I mean it's it's subject to the same security problems. Mm-hmm. So if you say um like if if the blockchain is easily 51% attackable uh just by spending a bunch of money on buying nighthash mining power um then yeah you can build like a lightning implementation but then you know your channels are suddenly gone because somebody reorg them out or uh you know you can yeah you can do all sorts of funky stuff if the if the base layer isn't fully secure so it's important for us to spend the time we have on that. And it's kind of boring. I understand it's not fancy wallet UIs. It's not, you know, cool mobile wallets. It's not all these stuff that, that we thought about working when we still thought the base layer was secure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the reality we have to, we have to work with. And, um, you know, we're still, we're still working on it. It's yeah. not like we give it up. Uh, it's just, yeah, there's, so there's two factors. There's one, it, the, the things we are working on aren't very visible in that sense. Like it's more network level things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is, 
yeah, the capacity to work on this stuff is also decreased. Mm -hmm. uh, partly because the number of people who are, uh, you know, coming into the Discord and trying to help. But that was always more on the on the edge things like, I don't know, Node Explorers and uh, a website and um, uh, marketing, Reddit, uh, moderators, uh, things like that. So that slimmed down. The development team, in essence, is still as big as it was two years, three years ago. I don't think anyone left. We even gained one person, so yeah, uh, that's good. It's just, yeah, like this this type of work is very specialized, and there's not many people who understand this stuff. And thus, like the work we do, like during the day, which we're paid for, uh, obviously has preference over hobby versus uh you know volunteer stuff that we do on vertcoin yeah, yeah I mean, and the thing is is that it's not like you know if we are doing items in the background uh, or so the the reality is is the stuff that we are currently focused on so vert hash the network uh s security aspects and things of that nature the level of entry to contributing to that is very very high the expertise that's needed in order to even understand it is very, very high, um, but it's fundamental. It's it's key. It's it's you know uh, a good analogy is is that um, so say if you're trying to use your credit card online and there's a, a you know a nice GUI into how you input your credit card information, but if you try to make the transaction, the transaction doesn't go through. It doesn't matter how pretty stuff is. It doesn't matter how user friendly things are. The transaction still has to be fundamental. And right now, the transactions are fundamental. They work, they function, everything's great. But we're trying to problem solve a specific issue. And, you know, the downside is, is that there is a market-driven incentive for that issue to continue being present by having people spend a bunch of money to double spend. Um, and we're trying to think of ways to go about doing that. But this is really kind of unexplored territory because most of your thought leaders i guess in this space from the sense of your bitcoin core developer team you know, which is massive and compared to ours from a volunteer uh per perspective they don't necessarily have to deal with this problem right now because they are the majority hash rate on their particular algorithm the problem is is that the same problem that we have is in bitcoin as well it's just they don't have to deal with it right now the thing is is that we're having to deal with it just because we're a lower lower hash rate coin, uh, but we're trying to problem solve for that. And it's a difficult problem to problem solve for. Um, and that's one of the things that we initially set out with Vern hash is we were trying to eliminate that. But in our testing, in our, uh, you know, in, in our process of, of troubleshooting and really wargaming that algorithm, we learned that it was going to kill some other major functionality that we were going to do inside of that. It kind of is your day to day, like light wallet. So the only thing you'd be able to run would be core, which isn't necessarily you know, optimal for being able to use this as a form of payment uh, system throughout, you know, your mobile phones and stuff of that nature. So I think this is a really good segue right into Verthash and kind of uh, the new final version of Verthash because people may remember that we, you know, we kind of finalized Verthash, what, about six, seven months ago. Uh, we had a miner built. We were testing on the test net. Everything was good. Um, and then we, uh, you know, we just did some more thinking about it. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit on kind of uh, where we were from there and how we got to this point and then uh, where we are currently with it and uh, things that we're looking to uh, to kind of finalize here in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. So um, pre previously, the um, like the, the design goal was obviously to make the algorithm um, 
a memory bound. So make sure that the bandwidth you have in terms of memory is the restraining factor in terms of your uh, proof of work, like the amount of iterations you can do. Uh, the idea behind that was that um, GPUs have general purpose compute capabilities and um, th they don't stack up against specialized circuits or FPGAs. Um, the, uh, the thing that F like FPGAs and ASICs and GPUs have in common is like the, the, the speed of memory is like GPUs generally also have very fast memory. And so by saying, okay, uh, you have to have this chunk of data in your GPU or ASIC or whatever memory, and then you have to do random lookups into this data. Uh, then the speed, like the bandwidth of your memory is going to be the limiting factor because you can't like similar to like copying data from your SSD to another SSD. There's like a bandwidth limit. There's mm -hmm. just that amount of data that can go through. And thus uh, by using that limit as the limit to the proof of work function, um, we hope to significantly reduce, I don't, I wouldn't say eliminate, but reduce the benefit an ASIC or FPGA would have over a GPU. So we're not saying this algorithm cannot be implemented in ASIC, it probably can. Uh, the difference is that the benefit versus the GPU will be much less than with a compute bound algorithm, because a compute bound algorithm, if you specialize a circuit to do that computation super fast, then it will, it will eliminate GPUs immediately because mm -hmm. it's so much more efficient at doing that calculation. Now, the problem with the previous version of Vertex, and by pre, like we have a number of iterations, but like the the one that we spoke about, like we had a Vertex talk, I think, in 2019 about yes. the state of Vertex at that time, and uh, when when we were inspecting the uh, the generation of the the data file, so the thing you have to keep in memory. Uh, the problem was that you could regenerate small parts of it by just doing compute. Um, and that caused a problem because that means that if you have a circuit that's optimized for recalculating that part of the data file super fast, then you eliminate the need to keep the whole thing in memory. And therefore, it's no longer memory bound. It's actually compute bound. Uh, because, okay, your GPU cannot compute it as fast, so it has to keep it in memory. But if you have a chip that can recalculate the parts that you need in order to do the proof of work function faster than the GPU can read it from memory, then you lost. Mm -hmm. Or if it's more scalable, like if you can do it in, you know, a couple thousand threads at the same time, then the ASIC is going to beat you anyway, mm -hmm. uh, or an FPGA. Uh, so... The, the biggest thing that changed was the generation of the data file. So instead of the algorithm that we used for that, we switched to the, the proof of space. Um, uh, like it's not proof of space in its entirety. It's a component from a proof of space paper um, that, that also generates a file. And it takes an X amount of time to generate that file. And you cannot recalculate a small portion of it by just like doing compute all the time. So you'll have to calculate the whole thing at once and then keep 
that's the fastest way to work with it. It takes like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, depending on your hardware, to generate the file. Yeah. Um, so, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, so by eliminating the capability of recalculating only small parts of it, it's now actually, it should actually be memory bound instead of compute bound. Now, on top of that, uh, the, the way that the proof of work function worked with the data files also changed a little bit. Uh, but those details go above my head a little bit. So that's something that uh, Jaroslav JK14 is working on together with the GPU miner developer. So these are things that are, uh, I, I don't understand much of like GPU development in general, but also uh, these algorithms are uh, like we, we started with uh, a, an existing algorithm for that as well. Um, and then there's some like there were some optimization, possible optimizations identified that like GPU could do less efficient than like an integrated circuit or FPGA. And so they, they tweaked some of these parameters to make sure that um, the, like what we're aiming for is a high um, uh, IO versus compute ratio. So one iteration of Vertex, like you, you put the block header in and you get the 32 byte hash out um the the time spent from input to output you can divide it in the time needed for compute and the time needed for memory lookups and you want the time for memory lookups to be the highest mm -hmm. but at the same time you don't want to limit the compute um in exchange for uh, being able to predict where in the file you need to do your lookups. Uh, so you still want to make sure that the positions you need to read in the file are, are indistinguishable from, from it being random. And that's why there's a bunch of hashes needed to sort of generate the indexes where you need to read from. And then you combine that into the final output. Um, there's been some tweaks to that recently also. Uh, and as for it being final, um, yeah, we, we were here before. So I just want to make <laughs> sure um, it's final when there's like a, a mainnet fork release that's out there. So where we say, okay, this is the 0 0.16, 0 0.17, whatever wallet update. And this is the block that it's going to fork at. Once we release that, then it's fine. Yeah, and this is the thing that, unfortunately, you know, well, I guess fortunately, because everybody gets kind of gets to see this build out over time. We've been very public, very open, very transparent on kind of the process and how we're going about doing this. And the majority of times that this happens, and this is something for everybody to take note of, this is nothing new, the way that this is being reiterated, looked at, battle-tested, going back and making revisions. This happens a lot of time, but it's behind closed doors. You don't actually get to see this kind of happen out in the open, where with us, we are very transparent. We show you the white papers in which we're actually taking these parts of these different types of, uh, of different concepts. So one of the things... I I have up here i actually have the space mint it's a cryptocurrency based on proof of space this is the actual white paper um, where they actually talk about the section of that proof of space 
white paper that we're using in order to uh, redo kind of how we're doing that data point like your Jeff just talked about. Um, and we link to these white papers, so the static memory hard functions and modeling of uh, the, the cost of space versus time. So there's a lot of things here that, you know, this is one of the benefits with uh, our lead maintainer. He is a, uh, I guess he, now he's a graduate student now at MIT. Um, you know, he has a lot of resources at his hands for the latest cutting edge way to handle these types of problems. And, um, you know, so when, if you look at the development update that we did back in January, um, we actually linked to all of this and we talked about how we've completely changed how this data function is is working and we link to those white papers so i would encourage all of you to go back and look uh at uh the vercoin blog where you can see the development update that happened in january and you can read through all of this now i will you know say right off the bat this is extremely technical extremely high level stuff when it comes to how it's implemented and how it works but it's core to the functionality and the security and kind of what we're trying to do uh, with Verthash. And, and, you know, something that we've said for well over two years now doing these broadcasts is the idea is that you're never going to get rid of ASICs, you're never going to get rid of FPGAs. There is a mode, there is an incentive for people to create these, but the goal is, is to make GPU mining just as good as ASIC mining. So say if your ASIC costs, you know, $5,000 to build just to use round numbers and your GPU costs $1,000, if the ASIC is five times as fast at computing, your cost of entry equals that performance upgrade. So our goal is basically is to keep GPUs relevant and, and the preferable method because everybody can get a GPU. It's multi-use. If you have a GPU in your computer for gaming, you can mine the algorithm. That's that's our goal, and we're using this adjustment to how things are computed and, and gathered in order to hash out the the algorithm, you know, in order to fulfill that goal of Vercoin. And this is proof of work, so this isn't proof of space. It's using a little chunk of that white paper in order to fulfill the proof of work algorithm that we're building that is called Verthash. Um, and now something I have here uh, on the screen is actually some of the tests that we've done with the 2080 Ti and the the, the 1080, and here it'd be good if you uh, and I don't know if you if you're aware of exactly what this means, but what does it mean when it says the batch number and then also these two MS uh, numbers and then there's a percent assigned at the end of that? Can you go into exactly what that is computing? Because I see it's a compute memory ratio, um, but uh, can you uh, elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, so that's what I what I said earlier was um, uh, we're looking for uh, an algorithm that has the highest possible percentage being memory lookup. So uh, let's assume that uh, one iteration of Verthash takes one second, which is uh, because then you would have one hash per second. So that's not the case. <laughs> uh, but let's say for argument's sake that it takes one second. Um, then it means that of that one second, you want as much time as possible being spent in uh, memory lookups. Because our assumption is that memory lookups in uh, GPUs is as efficient as possible because memory lookups are the thing that they need to be as fast as possible for like gaming and rendering and, and stuff like that. Um, and the type of memory on the most recent GPUs is similar. Maybe it's a generation older, but it's similar to the type of memory that's on um, FPGAs, like the, the high bandwidth memory uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. So if 
out of that second, 99% is spent looking up memory, then the only thing you can improve by using an FPGA or an ASIC is that 1%. And that's that you have to improve it really, really good in order to be competitive. Um, that said, like your earlier comment about like the price of an ASIC versus the price of a GPU, there's one more factor important there, and that's power usage. So that's very um, if, you, if you're able to uh, have a $5,000 machine versus a $1,000 GPU, that's not five times as fast, but it's five times as efficient, like in terms of hashes per kilowatt or whatever, um, then it's still worth it because obviously mining the equipment is one thing, but using the power is generally uh, as important of uh, a factor in your profitability numbers. Um, but that said, uh, these numbers indicate that the um, uh, it's it's the majority is memory bound, like it's more than 90%. Um, so yeah, the, the, the amount that's left over to optimize by building an ASIC or FPGA is, is less. Yep. Um, and with yeah, an the, FPGA, you're, you, not only is the boards extremely expensive, the initial cost there, but then you have to have the knowledge to be able to code that, or you have to pay someone who has created, um, the, uh, Oh, Lord, what's it called? I, for, I forget now. Bit what yeah, the bitstream. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay them a percentage of whatever it is that you're mining. Um, so there's definitely a a cost factor that goes into using FPGA over a GPU, where, as with us, we want the GPU to be so optimal and ideal that you basically download the one-click miner and you go. And it's as easy as possible, and that keeps it also decentralized. You keep things uh, less centralized and in the hands of very few people um, who's controlling your hash rate. So these are, you know, everything that we're doing here kind of reflects on our our goals that we've been espousing for years now. Um, it's just it's difficult. It's not the easy route. The easy route would be let's just give into the ASICs. Let's put all the power into the hands of maybe ten to fifteen people who are kind of manufacturing these ASICs. We'll distribute those out a little bit. We'll sell some of those, but we'll keep the latest ASICs for ourselves. You know, that that's the easy route to go. Um, we're definitely not doing that. And um, one other thing I'll touch on, do you have any other comment with regards to VertHash, the algorithm itself, and kind of what we're doing there? Uh, no, I don't think so. So, like, in the, in the development date, it said, and that's, like, the current status is the GPU miner is still under development. Um, so, the, uh, like, we... The latest tweak is up is applied to to Vertcoin Core, like a, a beta version of Vertcoin Core. Uh, the it's in it's in my like I think there's a link uh, in the dev update to, to my GitHub repo where it's in. Uh, one comment I wanted to make on like it happening out in the open. I think in an earlier um, uh, in an earlier iteration, we were sort of trying to develop it behind closed doors because we were afraid that like people would take the algorithm and run with it and then start building ASICs before uh, we were ready to complete or like, um, yeah, people would, I don't know, steal it or whatever. It in, eventually is going to be open source anyway. And I think our mind shifted a little and said, okay, you know what? Um, this can just be developed out in the open. There has to, like, there doesn't have to be any secrets about this. Um, if people took this six months ago and started building an ASIC, then great, because that's not going to work. <laughs> We've uh, already changed it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can just uh, sunk cost. But anyway, I don't know. It's. Um, I think it also helped that people were able to look at the code, ask questions about it, because we do have some people in the Discord who do understand this stuff mm-hmm. and who are interested in understanding how it works and why we developed it the way that we did. And I think by having the community challenge you about the choices you make, it makes for a better end result in, in, in that sense. So I think uh, at least where we are now, everything happens out in the open, except obviously for the GPU minor development, because that's not done by us, that's done by somebody else uh, who eventually uh, expects us to pay him to uh, deliver. Yep. Uh, so yeah, if he's going to do it open source, then, you know. <laughs> we gotta pay the fee. That, that, yeah, that's not gonna work. And I think uh, to your point about FPGAs requiring bit streams, um, agreed that bit streams are maybe even more complex than GPU minor development, but GPUs aren't that easy to develop as well. Exactly. And uh, like what we've seen in the past with GPU minor software is that we built an open source version or had someone build a version that we open sourced and that we paid for. Um, there are always people who are capable of optimizing it more and then they extract a small dev fee in exchange for you know giving that away away but like uh we've seen with the closed source like the team red miner and uh there was one for nvidia i think crypto crypto dredge, crypto dredge there you go yeah um yeah. so yeah like they they obviously invest time to make the miner better than the one that we put out so yeah if they take one or two percent but in terms of hash power, you win five or six, then it's just up to your choice saying, okay, do I want to have the open version or do I want to have the maximum return uh, for you know running my GPU? And thus, uh, also there, there's still a little bit of uh, uh, fee extraction uh, in mining. Yep. That still happens. And I don't think it's a problem. Like, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's highly specialized. Like, not everybody can just build GPU Miners, I I am lost. Well, I was about to say you're you're starting to enter that market a little bit because you've created a Jeep <laughs> or, or a C- CPU miner for the Verhash yeah, test net. CPU miners are easy. CPU miners are easy. So, yeah, um, yeah like um, uh, many people might be aware of this, but obviously all core wallets have miners in them because they need to be able to verify the proof, and thus they have code in it to run the proof of work function. Mm-hmm. Now, Bitcoin used to have, I think maybe it still has on like rec test or testnet, but not on mainnet, I, I think. Um, there's a there's an RPC call to generate blocks. Like in the early days, people would use that to mine Bitcoin blocks with their CPU. Um, yeah, unfortunately that's not possible anymore, but <laughs> uh, like the, the RPC function is still there. So uh, like my initial thought was, okay, let's just call that repeatedly but it was super slow. Uh, like it took me an hour or something to find a block and even like the difficulty wouldn't adjust as low. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I built a small CPU miner in Go, uh, like the source code is on the, the dev update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you, if you, if you build the vert hash build of a Vertcoin core, you run it on testnet, you'll connect to a bunch of nodes that have these kind of vert hash blocks um, if you enable the RPC, you can run the CPU miner and generate blocks for fun. Like it, they're they're not worth anything, um, 
I have a ton of testnet VTC that I cannot get rid of. Like if anybody wants one, <laughs> I can send you one. Yeah. They're free. But um, yeah, so uh, it's just because I want to be able to test like if the wallet is able to process all the blocks and the transactions with this function because um, yeah, we need we need to test this wallet update. And uh, so far we've like we had one a GPU miner of the previous iteration that worked that we were able to test. Like I think you yep. tested it well, mm -hmm. uh, which is fine. But yeah, like I, I did the update to the core wallet and I wanted to be able to see if I could produce some blocks. And uh, so that's uh, that's all it is. Like it's nothing fancy. Yeah, so this is just uh, for testing. We're not going CPU miner as far as, you know, the actual mainnet. Um, we're still dedicated to GPU level. And obviously once you... So you've developed the CPU miner to test, but as soon as we start testing with the GPU miner, you're not going to really be able to find. Yeah, yes. no, yeah, you're you're not going to find any thing. Yeah, so uh, so that's what this yeah. was for. So if you guys want to play with this, if you have any questions about it or anything of that nature, please swing into the Discord. Uh, you know. Everybody on side of the development team, and especially Yerjep, will be able to help you um, uh, if you have any questions. But it's really just for testing right now. So if you can build these repos yourself, um, then you should be all set there. Um, we did have a question here. Um, yep, so we already answered. We're not going CPU mining. This is just purely for playing around on the testnet. Um, and then see, will this miner be updated in the future, say, support new upcoming uh, GPUs? So when we pay for uh, our uh, GPU developer to open source the the iteration of Verthash uh, mining, um, I assume that he will do continual updates if new stuff comes out, or is it basically once we pay, it's done? I I think once we pay that it's done. I'm not sure. I think um, uh, I think in the uh, like the previous developer who created the uh, AMD uh, Lyra 2 Ref 2 miner mm -hmm. actually updated it to Ref 3 without additional uh, fee. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's like it's up to the kindness of the developer whether he wants to continue updating and upgrading or that it that this is it and uh like what we've seen before is that um there's uh teams like team redminer and uh crypto dredge who uh either inspired or uh, uh looking at the code of the open source miner that we release they find ways to optimize it or to uh like newer hardware has newer capabilities that can do more or better uh, and they integrate it into their miner which like has a competitive advantage against our open source miner and then yeah there's two things that we can do we can say okay if you think this performance sucks just use this one but you'll pay two percent dev fee and it's closed source so we don't know what's in there like we assume that everything's on the level but there's no way for us to check um, the other option is we fundraise in the community to ask this developer to say, hey, maybe you can, you know, improve the performance a little on these and these new platforms. In general, I would say that um, like OpenCL and uh, uh, CUDA, so the platform for NVIDIA and AMD, mm -hmm. are generally backwards compatible. So if a miner works on like uh, an RTX 1080, it's going to work on a 2080 as well except you might do a much better job if you use particular 
uh, functionalities that the 2080 has that the 1080 doesn't. So then there's like new ray tracing uh, cores and stuff of that nature. Like if for some reason, yeah. So there's new cores, or there's 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 higher limits to things you can do. And then in general, they would build a new mining kernel for that specific platform to make sure that it's using all these optimizations as much as possible. But yeah, that's again, that's about my uh, understanding. This yeah. is the level I can understand. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think right now what what our current, I guess, contract with the with the GPU miner is to, is to build the current iteration, and then there isn't a ongoing support process with that payment. So, if we wanted to upgrade to you know just say for some reason the new three series of Nvidia cards come out and they have some crazy features on them that we could easily you know or we have an incentive to take advantage of from a mining perspective um we would have to initiate a new contract or a new uh negotiation with the gpu miner um so that's something that uh you know we'll talk about a little bit more when we get into the marketing section with regards to donations on kind of what we're going to do about that um but right now this is just purely to build the current iteration uh with no future updating support um so moving on we got one other thing here uh for you uh is the new well i guess the final version of the one click miner um so can you just uh talk about kind of what this last iteration looks like and all of the updates that you've done since the last time that we talked about the one click miner yeah uh there there's not much uh exciting stuff that's added so uh mostly bug fixes there's a couple of um like a couple people tested the ocm and it wasn't detecting their gpu properly or it was detecting it properly but um falsely accusing it of not being you know good enough so uh for instance recently um uh, somebody reported that an amd rx 560 wasn't detected and yeah when i looked at the like the problem in general is if you see an amd gpu like you can make a very easy test to say does my machine have an amd gpu but there's amg gpus that are so ancient that if i then run the miner it will say eh, no i can't mine with this thing and the, so my choice was to detect the exact model of your GPU and make sure that the models that pass the test are actually the ones that you can mine on to prevent this whole troubleshooting of like, I have an AMD, but it's not mining. So um, there's like a wide list of GPUs that, that I accept and the other GPUs will not work. Um, you're free to fork the repo and, you know, force it to work. Uh, but what I want to make sure is that if you pass the test, then the miner will also like start generating revenue and not start and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And then people say, ah, this crappy software does zero hashes. Like, <laughs> what is this? No money. Um, like that. So, um, and like the, the, the graphic interface is based on uh, a JavaScript framework. And so, uh, yeah, there's regular security vulnerabilities in like dependencies of dependencies of dependencies of whatever we use. Um, luckily, GitHub sends me active notifications about those. So as soon as there's like a vulnerability found in one of the uh, packages, it will send me an email and say, hey, this package is like uh, severity, high, low, medium, whatever. And then I make an upgrade. So uh, the the 1.0 final release had some upgraded packages, like dependency packages. 
um, compared to the release candidates. But other than that, there weren't much new things. So what I do think is interesting to mention is uh, now that the 1.0 release is out, uh, we can maybe think about the things that we want to have in a 2.0 release because uh, like software is never done. So 1.0 is quote unquote done, but um, yeah, there's like, for instance, one of the things that causes the most problems right now is when uh, our inside block explorer is down. Mm-hmm. which um, which happens from time to time, like the SSL certificate is expired or there's reasons why uh, the one-click miner can't access it. And um, previously, uh, the one-click miner, which was really a 24-click miner or something, <laughs> um, yeah, it worked really well. It had its own uh, uh, P2 pool node. It had its own like Vertcoin backend uh and then it didn't rely on any of the central servers like inside mp2 proxy uh but yeah in order to make the one click miner a one click miner we had to get rid of some of those dependencies that were just hard to set up but yeah then you're dependent on those things so if inside goes down um yeah the like it's not a bug that the one click miner doesn't work when inside is down because that's what it was designed like that's the mm-hmm. way it was designed uh but what you could do and that's why there's like an improvement in github repo if you think of any improvement just file an issue and i'll look at it and i'll think about how to implement it and um because i think the one click miner is really fun it's really easy it's Super easy. like you can you can explain it to anyone uh and and uh there's i think there's like I don't know. It's not much, but there's like 55 daily users on the one-click miner, which is still fun. Um, and that's people that are sending us data, though, right? Because there could thousand. be people that opt out of that data, and we wouldn't yeah, know. Yeah. So, no, we wouldn't. so that's something else to take note of, is that we do have the ability that you can opt in to send us data that helps us kind of understand how it's being used, if there's issues and things of that nature. Um, so, you know, that's that's always, I'm sure there's a lot of people who opt out of that just from a privacy perspective and they just don't want to send data. But, um, yeah. but yeah, if you see anything on here that, you know, remember the one-click miner, its target audience is new people that are getting into the space. It's getting them into mining. It's getting them, you know, used to the concept of being able to contribute to the security of a network and still be able to earn a financial benefit off of that by being able to mine some of the coins uh, that are on the blockchain. Um, so if you have any feature requests or, or things that you think may make it better um, or any discussion surrounding that, please, you know, come into our Discord server. We have that here in the Dev Update that uh, you can put that in there. And, you know, we'll continue to look at, you know, things that we can do to improve and maybe even a next version or generation that where we have some different things in there. Um, but I think the, the current product is extremely uh, user-friendly. And, and at the end of the day, I think that was the goal, right, is to create a user-friendly yeah. experience that doesn't require them to install a whole bunch of stuff. And it kind of does everything for it. It's literally just one click. Yeah, I think I think that was the key design element. So one is that it would run on more than just Windows. So we, we run it's it on, on Windows, Windows and Linux now. And the second one was indeed that it's like, it, there's always a problem if you, it, like it's nice to incorporate the community and talk about like, okay, what features do you want in this thing? That's how we did the first iteration of the one-click miner, which was very functional. Um, and 
it had a lot of features that people wanted. Like I want to be able to run my own uh, P2 pool node, or I want to be able to uh, find other P2 pool nodes and connect to them and choose which one I want to use. And um, what we saw over time is by adding more and more and more features, like what I said, it went from one click to a lot of clicks. And um, there were people that were asking for certain features in this one click miner that we just that well, I took the executive decision to say, no, I don't think it's a good idea because that means that every time you start it up, you need to make a choice between this and this. So before you're mining, you have to like the example was like the open source versus closed source miner. So first we said, okay, open source, that's it. Then people said, yeah, but I want to use the closed because they, they're faster. Um, and so, yeah, if like, if you say, okay, we will make a wizard where you can say, okay, uh welcome uh, set up your wallet uh, and then which miner do you want to use open or closed source and then you have to explain what that is and people are going to come in discord and say what which one should i pick mm-hmm. um like uh yeah so i think it's better to just say okay what enter passwords start mining and then yep. that's technically two clicks but the next time you boot up your machine there's zero clicks so that evens it up yep and i think so Maybe one click miner 2.0 actually becomes like one click miner advanced where we can have some of those options and stuff, but it gives, but even at that point, it's like, you know, why aren't you just use, you know, if you're at that level of an advanced user. That that was, that was the whole philosophy behind it. So if you're as advanced as someone who needs to choose between open and closed source, uh, someone who wants to enable which GPUs are mining and which GPUs not mining so that you can use that one to game or you can use that one to mine another coin yeah if you're that advanced then you know just use the command line and and make batch files and stuff like yeah uh i there there might still be features worth to include in the one click miner for instance um uh, one debate that we had was the dependency on inside whether it should contain like a lightweight full node that you can still use the uh do it on your own without needing Mm -hmm. insight it's interesting it's a lot of work um but it could be a thing another thing which is easier is like if you depend on insight and it's down don't show like um expected returns infinite and uh, amount of coins in wallet zero but just show insights down check back later uh, which saves a lot of people panicking about losing their coins because obviously the coins aren't gone but you know, as the UI shows 0.00, people start to freak out, which is uh, understandable. Exactly. So, and it's because they just don't know. You know, remember the target audience uh, is people that are new. Um, they yeah, they right. don't even know what Insight is, right? No, no, they haven't. Yeah, that's, and, and we, they shouldn't have to know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole idea of, of one-click miner is introduce people to mining without needing to install a full wallet and everything. So hopefully it's an entry into like the community and people start asking questions like, Hey, how does mining even work? Or how, like, what's a wallet? Where should I keep a wallet? Like, and then it's an entry into understanding the whole space. And uh, like, everybody needs an entry point. Like for me, because I was a developer, my entry point was like talking to the developers and say, Hey, is there something I can do? But yeah, if you're, a user and you just want to learn how this stuff works uh then this might be a fun entry into into it so what i would say is if anyone has 
ideas about uh, what we could improve about the one-click miner, there's a GitHub repo on um, uh, GitHub slash Fertcoin project slash one-click miner vnext. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an issue list. You can just add an issue. So if you have a brilliant idea, just make an issue. Uh, we can discuss it and then see whether it's worth implementing. If you are able to develop it yourself, even better, make a pull request and I can just include it if I think it's a good idea. Um, but so, keep yeah. it, if, if when you're thinking about these ideas, remember the philosophy around this product usability yeah. ease of use entry level person so if you're if you're wanting to do some really advanced stuff it's not the the, the place for it you know it's not that we want to turn away ideas but we want to we have a vision for the one click miner and that's you know you got to keep that in mind whenever you're putting out things because just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something and at the end of the day we have to remember who our target audience is for this and i would charge everybody that's listening to us now that this is now in its final release I would advise you or, or implore you to go and share this with your friends, people who have never mined before, people who have, you know, they, they may have talked about the cryptocurrency stuff in the past with you, or there may have been some discussion. Take this to them and say, hey, do you just want to try this out? Do you just want to see kind of what it's like? Download this and you can start mining right away. You know, I w- this is the best way to get somebody in and I would charge everybody who's listening uh, to to do that um let us know your feedback let us know how uh the 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 people in your life that you've showed this to how they received it what were their thoughts on it because while we can you know we're getting feedback inside of our discord but that's normally the more hardcore user base and fan of vertcoin is going to be in our discord it's not the average you know person uh that's that's you know got a gaming computer or something of that nature and they want to actually try mining so uh let us know that feedback we'd love to hear that in discord so yeah um the two other options i got or the the two other things i got here is research topics to consider so uh if you can just touch on this quickly um you know here we have multi algo mining um and then also the horizon info uh you know the the research that's being done as a solution for vercoin um so can you touch on those two real quick as to kind of this things that we're looking to to start doing research on and kind of how we're thinking about using those or just seeing what benefits that might bring to the project yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, like the the multi algo mining, is something that's been in, in employed by other uh, by other cryptocurrencies. So there's cryptocurrencies that have multiple algorithms, and the idea behind it is that um, instead of trying to get rid of ASICs by making an algorithm that's not compatible with them, which has shown to be fairly impossible, but anyway. Um, that, one of the ideas, and also uh, by relying on a single algorithm, somebody takes control over X percent of the hash rate of that algorithm, then obviously he can do 51% attacks and uh, double spends. And um, the idea is that if you have multiple algorithms that sort of take turns in producing blocks, then somebody has to control five different algorithms and then control an X percentage of those algorithms in order to overtake uh, control of the blockchain. Um, so this has been uh, presented as a possible way to mitigate the 51% attack factor. Um, I think uh, what's interesting is that somebody from the community actually made a pull request and just uh, built an implementation of multi-algorithm um, uh, into a vertcoin into a copy of vertcoin uh, core. Um, I think 
the discussion needs to happen and there needs to be some fundamental research about the security properties of multi-algorithm mining. I know that there's a couple of coins that have multi-algorithm mining uh, that have not been 51% attacked, but the mere fact that it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen. And if you adopt a new solution in order to get rid of a problem, you have to first make sure that it solves the problem. Correct. Because if Correct. it turns out that uh, multi-algorithm blockchains are just harder to attack, and since there are easier targets like us right now, um, nobody just nobody attempted or nobody made a serious effort to try and break it. Um, I think it's important to understand the security properties of something before um, we we adopt it. And uh, the other option that we're pursuing, which seems uh, easier to implement, um, is uh, the thing that they use in Horizon. So what they do in Horizon is um, based on uh, which blocks you've seen first, um, there's an exponential need for more work in order to reorg. So let's say uh, somebody's 51% attacking Vertcoin. Uh, they start at a particular block. The, the normal blockchain keeps running. So people see new blocks all the time. And then all of a sudden, an attacker presents 300 alternative blocks with more work in them. Uh, now, the idea of Horizon is that uh, if you see a new string of blocks that would normally reorg out the block that's currently your tip, um, you would say, okay, because I haven't seen these blocks for so long, I require an exponential increase in the amount of work. So let's say um, the 300 blocks I have have like a thousand units of work. Then if I have 301 other blocks, they need like um, uh, 1.01 to the power of 300 more more work. So it's not that a thousand and one is more. It's like you need I don't know 3,000 or 4,000, just because of the fact that these blocks were hidden from me. I just trust it, and I'll just require you to have more work. Um, assuming that if it's an honest chain, and I was just not looking at the right one, then all these miners will continue to build on this chain and at some point it will have enough work for me to accept it, mm -hmm. even with this additional uh, work requirement. Uh, now, also here, it's important to understand the exact properties. There are some concerns about an attacker, for instance, uh, mining two alternate chains, uh, which have enough work, uh, and then uh, publish them to like a split of the network. So 50% 50, 50 of the network gets one alternative chain and 50% gets another. They would never agree with each other because like they say, no, you need more work. No, you need more work. So then you have a, a network split. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, how are you going to resolve it? Um, yeah, then obviously in the end, the miners will mine on top of the chain that they think is the right one and it will at some point but that could take like days mm -hmm. using like using this uh, methodology it could use, it could take days for the network to come and that's that's not something that you would want so um, we need to understand this better uh, maybe run some simulations or like that I don't know um, but the important thing is unless we fully understand what something does we're not going to implement it just because somebody else did
Exactly. Uh, one of the questions we did get here was, um, would, uh, wouldn't multi-algorithms just make it less profitable to mine? Um, that's a good question. I think um, what it would result in is that um, obviously you would surrender one or more of the algorithms to ASICs to say, um, okay, ASICs are more powerful. They're like they're harder to uh, exploit using rental markets because, um, yeah, depending on the algorithm that you choose, obviously. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, like choosing an algorithm that's dominated by another blockchain, let's say we choose uh, SHA-256 for one, and nobody's really interested in mining Vertcoin uh, because the only thing you can get is like one-fifth of the total emission that we have, which is not in, in dollar amounts, not that much. Um, yeah, then as much as you surrender to different hardware classes, uh, there's obviously a problem that the GPUs have either one or two algorithms that they're stuck with. And so, like, if you would have two out of five being GPU algorithms and half of the miners choose one and half choose the other, then you still have 40% of what you used to have. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if you surrender things to ASICs or to CPU mining and people can, like, they don't have the CPUs or whatever... Uh, yeah, then the emission is going to decrease, but the profitability is obviously dependent on the amount of people that mine. So if uh, the emission is so low that people say, ah, screw this, I'm going to mine something else, then there's more left for people who stay mining Vertcoin. Like there's an equilibrium uh, between the profitability of mining and the emission. Uh, but yeah, it's clear that if, assuming all miners stay, and assuming all miners only have GPUs and they're going to mine uh, the parts of like the algorithms that support it, and they're not all five, then obviously there's going to be a part of the rewards set aside for other algorithms that our users can't mine. So that's also, uh, yeah, that's also something to consider whether that's something you want. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's that's why this is a research topic because simply just saying we use multi uh, algo mining and just throw it in there and go, it's like well, there's all these other factors that we want to make sure that we cover and that are, are you know we don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater to have you know uh, to, to to not have a better expression to do, but you know it, it's it's one of those things we just want to make sure that. Uh, if we implement something, so be it Horizon, be it Multi-Algo, or, or be it something else that's currently not on our radar, we want to look at every path and, and really just war game that and hit it from every direction just to make sure if it's a suitable, uh, you know, injection of, of code or, 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 or processes into our current uh, setup. Um, yeah, and there, there's, a, there's another aspect that's important when you uh, make upgrades like this is the fact that the upgrades stay with you forever. Yep. So if you make if you make it a particular choice, um, like let's say we would implement uh, multi-algo mining, and then at some point we decide, no, nah, this was not the right choice. There's no way of going back because these blocks exist. Like we cannot revert them, we cannot get rid of them and just produce new ones. Um, so that means that the multi-algo mining will stay in our code base for, for eternity because in order for somebody to bootstrap the network, they have to pass these blocks that require multi-algo, so the code will stay in there. Mm -hmm. So, like, script is still in there, Lyra 2 Rev 2 is still in there, Lyra 2 Rev 3 will stay in there forever, because mm -hmm. 
you know, once there's blocks that use this new system, the system will have to be supported forever. Um, so, and th that was also the reason why we were very careful about the, like the earlier, like the earlier, earlier iteration of Vertex, which eliminate um, SPV. Um, it also there, it meant it would eliminate SPV forever. Because if there's like these few blocks that you cannot uh, properly uh, uh, validate, because you cannot validate the headers without the full block data, that was the design back then, uh, you, you eliminate light clients forever. And that was a very big thing. And that's why we were very careful and, and in the end decided not to. Um, so yeah, so yeah, maybe, maybe people think that this is slow and boring and why aren't guys incorporating all this cool stuff because like the 51% attack is already solved, like use, I don't know, Komodo or use uh, 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 reorg limits or, you know, the way other people fixed it. But yeah, maybe we're picky. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> we're we're these, thinking well down these, the road. We feel like there's something yeah. wrong with them. And like we prefer telling everyone, okay, be aware of the problem we have. We're trying to fix it still, uh, instead of saying, okay, it's fixed. And then it's all turns out that there's like a huge problem. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is we're very, um, very proactive in monitoring of the block, uh, of our blockchain so that if we cease and, and our community as well, I mean, you know, hats off to the mining community that's in our discord and stuff of that nature. If they see anything that's outside of the norm, they raise red flags and then we communicate with exchange. I mean, there's, there's pretty much a, a rapid response, you know, s team that we have basically set up voluntarily to communicate if there are problems or things outside of the norm. So that if we do see something like this, um, we're able to do our best from a decentralized perspective to eliminate any sort of damage that may happen. But in the meantime, we're still trying to figure out a solution that works long term. We're not trying to find a solution that works tomorrow. We're trying to find a solution that's going to work forever. Because like you were saying, it's once it's in, it's in. There's no necessary going back. Um, you basically have to start over from the beginning, you know, and that's not what we want to do. That's the whole point of blockchain is it's a continual chain of blocks uh, with all the data is always there forever. Um, so, uh, and we did have a question, you know, because Bitcoin, uh, or the problem with Bitcoin, since almost 50% of the hash rate is in China, if they wanted to, they could just attack it and, uh, not such high investment. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing that we've talked about in previous Furcoin talk episodes is that there's a high concentration of the hash power for Bitcoin is in China. It's controlled by very few people. I mean, we saw when there was a big hack that happened and I know, uh, CZ at Binance had consulted with like less than 10 people on possibly rolling back the Bitcoin network. Um, you know, that's a 51% attack. You're rolling it back and it was as easy as having a conversation with a small handful of people in order to see about doing that. And it really kind of went under the radar. I think a lot of people at the time that were paying attention, they may, they, they raised a little bit of fuss about it, but because it didn't happen, it really didn't catch, you know, the greater crypto community abroad that things that have happened to us can easily happen to Bitcoin. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, the, who controls the power right now, the hash power in Bitcoin, they just haven't done it yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, partly true, but there's also like, there's a lot of research happening into work and also like people are still trying to understand proof uh, and the incentive system and 
why why miners don't attack it because as you said there's a handful of miners or um like in terms of bitcoin there's like five or six mining pools that control 70 percent of the hash rate so if they would collude together they could easily do something um not even starting about like the minority sha 256 chains like bitcoin cash who's at like one one percent of the bit like one mining pool in Bitcoin can easily overtake the network Bitcoin Cash if they wanted to, but they're not doing it. And there's more reasons, there's more incentive systems that we still don't understand entirely uh, as to why this works. But it's important to understand. So also here, it's like the fact that it works doesn't like the fact that it worked the past 10 years gives you a great confidence about that it can work and that probably uh there's a reason that it works but if you can like you need to be able to argue why it works and you need to be able to prove that the system works because there's like an equilibrium of incentives and um yeah you don't you don't want to have the situation where everybody says yeah okay right all these dollars and euros we're done with it we're gonna shove all the money in bitcoin and then instead of like 200 billion there's like 200 trillion in there and then it turns out that the incentives are not compatible. It's just nobody was interested in breaking it because all the actors were actually pro uh, Bitcoin. And similarly, um, yeah, the, it, the, the people that mine Bitcoin also have hardware that is profitable when it's mining Bitcoin. So if they attack Bitcoin, it, they also attack their own profitability because they bought mining hardware they have to run it for like one year to recoup the investment and then another year to make profit. If they break it, like there's more happening there where for GPU mined coins, the problem is that if you break one chain, you still have a GPU, you can mine another one. Mm-hmm. And so that whole, that that's the argument pro ASICs where they say, okay, because the hardware can only mine this coin it doesn't make sense to attack it because you'll break the hardware. You don't like, yeah. So there, yeah, I understand that. Okay. Having the power in control of a few people is scary and you don't want it. Uh, but yeah, people colluding to bring Bitcoin down is possible, obviously. And yes, but not because they're all in China that they're controlled by the same person. I don't know. Um, I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, uh, I think there's a there's a. The, I think the heart of the question was basically that if because of China being the you know a communist party, basically they could come in and just overtake you know all of these businesses and stuff of that nature, um, or if they shut down, I you know there's plenty of different things that could happen in that sense. It's definitely a, a, a situation where geographically it's not decentralized. There is, you know, a lot of concentrated hash power there, but that also goes to cost of manufacturing and the ability to pay people next to nothing in order to work. And, you know, there's a lot of factors there that go into that. But um, there's a lot of factors. I think it's also very clear that, that industrial mining centralizes around places where power is cheap because exactly. that's your main expenditure. So, yeah, it's it's a nice idea to, uh, like, have mining distributed all over the world. But... In reality, if a country where you pay 25 cents per kilowatt hour and there's a country where you pay six and you have to set up 
set up uh, an industrial set. Like I'm not talking about the the home miners, right? Like yeah. the people that we're trying to reach with the one-click miner. That they're, they're mined just for fun. And if a million people mine for fun, we have a fairly significant hash rate. But how are we going to reach them, right? So, um, but yeah, large like I don't see large mining farms mining for because like there's way more profitable coins out there for them to mine. Um, and they're probably going to be there where the power is cheap. So either next to a hydro plant or in China where they still burn coal or, uh, you know, next to other power stations or in countries where they don't have high taxes on using electricity like they have here in Europe. So, yeah. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that like, I don't know. Yeah. It's there can, there can also be Dutch people who run, uh, mining farms in other countries where the power is cheap. It That's doesn't true. mean that the mining is centralized in that country. Yeah, it depends on how much how much actors have control over the, the mining. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Most of the uh, hardware is being manufactured in China, and that's yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Cool. Um, all right. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, so much for talking about all those different development items uh, that we talked about here on this show. Uh, I'm going to go in here real quick because we're already. Uh, how long have we been going now? So this is uh, an hour and 20 minutes. So let's go ahead and uh, get ready to wrap this up. I'll talk about the marketing aspect of things here real quick. Um, so we did uh, our last Vercoin talk at the beginning of the year. We did a year in review of 2019. Uh, do recall that we are doing this now quarterly. Um, so we're not doing it once a month. Um, so you'll see uh, this is our development update for Q1. Uh, but you'll see the next one in Q2. Uh, so roughly June, July. Um, so you'll see that next broadcast uh, then. Uh, uh, did want to talk about the Vercoin Foundation IRS update. So we did get our denial letter from uh, the IRS for the 501c3. So now we have to figure out what our options are as far as moving forward. Uh, we have the ability to do a 501c6 here in the United States, which is still a nonprofit status, but it's not a charity uh, uh, nonprofit where people here in the United States aren't able to donate to it and then write that off on your taxes. So that's one option. And then we have another option of possibly setting up the foundation uh, in a different country, such as the Netherlands or something of that nature. Uh, um, so we're going to uh, look at what uh, what our options are there and kind of what the best move is uh, for the foundation. If you guys have any feedback on that or any suggestions, uh, please let us know in the Discord. Um, I, I think the, the important, like the most important factor of having uh, the foundation was um, we don't want to be slapped with taxes if like people donate third coin and then it goes up in value and we have to pay uh, the difference as soon as we buy something with it um so yeah the the being able to deduct gifts from your taxes was always secondary the first was uh to be exempt from um uh equity increase tax no um i don't know the, income the tax, tax of uh, no the tax of uh, uh the, oh, the capital gains assets yeah capital gains right yeah so uh because that's yeah that's like we expect to have like uh, a, a set of donations in the foundation and if the value like it's not a very stable asset right now it fluctuates uh and so if we continuously have to pay taxes when it goes up but we don't get them back when they go down we're like burning money by yeah that's exactly stupid so that's why we we're we're trying to chase a place to set up the foundation where we don't have this problem but yeah like yeah the the easiest route was blocked out by the irs so let's yeah. see yeah, and it was also, you know, there's 
most of your crypto foundations are not in the United States because um, the the it's more stringent as far as the regulations to even get the status. So we figured we'd yeah. aim high first, um, and then we're going to go from there and see what our next options are with that. Um, so just know that that is still currently in development there. Um, we did remove the donate page from the website. Um, it's still, if you go to vercoin.org forward slash donate, you can still go to it. Um, but this was one of the key things that came back from the IRS was the fact that we were already accepting donations, even though we were not a uh, nonprofit uh, entity. So uh, one of the things that we're going to do is that we're actually going to shift our donation model instead of just having uh, a, g- a generic pool for development uh, donations, marketing, uh, tip jar and stuff of that nature. Um, you know, th- those are still those addresses are still there. If you want to donate to them, that's fine. Uh, but we're actually going to move to more of what we did with the one click miner where we actually set up a bounty. Um, or in the case, once we get to a nonprofit status, this will be considered a grant. So basically a grant bounty where uh, you are uh, putting out a sum of funds in order to get a particular amount of work done. So say for the case of the one click miner, we had a goal to raise a certain amount in order to do it. Um, We had a proposal from your on what that would look like. So we had a a kind of an idea of what the software was going to look like before we even get started, raise the funds, and then we start building it once those funds come in. So instead of just having a generic pool there, then we will have uh, these uh, these application-specific donation uh, options. So uh, you're going to start seeing that rolled out from us. Now, those funds that were donated to the generic pools, those are still there. You can check on them. If, if they get used, uh, we alert you about that. Those funds will still be used in order to you know pay for hosting of servers, to pay for the website, to pay for the general maintenance cost, uh, you know, the, the legal paperwork that we have to do for the foundation and stuff. All of those general uh, maintenance costs will still be pulled from those pools. And then once we run out of those, then we'll do, okay, we need to pay for, you know, uh, business licenses and stuff of that nature or nonprofit uh, filings. We'll create those on a per uh, per application basis uh, moving forward. So, um, And then we also just wanted to, uh, anybody that wants to help with marketing, and by marketing I mean, uh, you know, creating, you know, incentives uh, to spread messaging, marketing banners, um, you know, just generally talking to people. If you want to go on another podcast or you want to go on another show and then talk about Vercoin, by all means, uh, come into our Discord and join the marketing channel uh, and, uh, you know, let us know what you would like to take on. Um, we did want to spotlight some exchanges here. So these are some uh, few exchanges that now support uh, Vercoin. Um Obviously, this is not an exchange endorsement. Do this at your own risk, but we had those links in there as well. And then some other resource links there at the bottom, and that's pretty much it for the developer update. Um, Let's see if we have any other questions. We didn't have any other questions come in in that meantime. Um, Any final thoughts or anything like that before we wrap up uh, this talk for today? Um, No, not really. I think, um, uh, like... The, the vert hash stuff is looking good in the sense that um, like the, the core wallet is updated um, uh, at least in in the github repo so people can look at it feel free to ask questions if you don't understand what it does but feel free to test it out uh, same goes for the one click miner if you have any questions just you know we're we're very uh, at least I think we're very approachable. So if people ask us questions in general, I would answer them. Um, and yeah, I I think it's cool if people use this and try indeed what you said, try to have people who aren't into cryptocurrency communities try to install this 
well, it's not even installing, it's just running, but still. Um, try to run this and give feedback on like how the target, because the target audience is different from the people that we normally have test our software. Like there are exactly. people that understand what this thing does and uh, how GPU drivers work and stuff like that. So having someone that's not entirely computer illiterate, but still like does gaming or something like that, see if they're able to start mining, that would be super helpful to get insights on how that experience is. And if people, if this is really an improvement, because if people still think it's too complex, then I don't know, I have to, we have to double down on making it easier. So, um, Oh, we did have one question come in. Uh, is the one click miner, uh, completely translated or do we add some stuff that needs translating? Uh, it's translated into, I think, 16-something languages. Um, let me pull that up here, see if I can. But it's, yeah, we, I used to have a translation bounty. Like, I would I would give everyone who does a translation a couple of third coins, like 10 third coins or something. Um, I Like, at some point, we got translations of uh, fairly niche languages, Um while we were still missing like French or Spanish or <laughs> things like that. Um, I think the, I think we can reach about 5 billion people now with these translations. So um, I welcome any pull requests for more, for more languages. If you feel like I want to have this in my native language, you can make a pull request. I think there's either a guide on the GitHub on how to do it, or you can just come to the discord and I'll explain how it works. Um, it's it's just translating one file and you'll have uh, a version of uh, one click miner in your native language. So if you if you think that's cool, then obviously I'll just merge it in. Um, but I think most of the important languages are there. Okay, yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, and then uh, did have a uh, note about NiceHash has an exchange now. So maybe they'll start monitoring blockchains on their own in order to avoid tax on themselves. Um, that I don't know what is going to be happening as far as NiceHash having an exchange. Um, I haven't necessarily looked into it. Did you, have you looked into that at all or is it pretty much kind of just new? No, I don't, I don't use exchanges that much. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that completely. Uh, and I don't use NiceHash as much. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us here uh, today on this episode of Vercoin Talk. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, you'll see the next one pop up around uh, July. So the beginning of July, that'll be the end of Q2. Um, and yeah, I uh, just want to thank everybody for joining us here today. And we will see you guys in the next one.